Respectfully. 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 A Melanated Therapist. Welcome in and welcome home, family. I'm Rade. And I'm Dimitri. And this is Respectfully, a Melanated Therapist podcast. Just a quick disclaimer, this is not therapy. We are just two people who are doing a podcast who happen to be therapists. The information in our podcast is for psychoeducation and entertainment purposes only. And if you are in need of therapeutic resources, please feel free to contact us and we'll point you in the right direction. All right, fam. So last week's um, episode, we talked about neglect and abandonment during childhood. So this week we're going to be talking about attachment and abandonment in adult relationships. About to yes. get a little spicy, honey. Uh-huh. We're going to dive on in. Right. So, you know, I think before we kind of dive all the way into the, the nitty gritty of this, this podcast or this episode, that we understand the different attachment styles. So an attachment style... Where attachment styles are the way that we relate and connect with other people, and attachments are developed starting at infancy when bonding with parents or caregivers. Now, with that, there are four different attachment styles. You have secure attachment, which is being comfortable with intimacy and autonomy. We have avoided attachment style, which is not very exploratory and emotionally distant. Then we have ambivalent Attachment, which is anxious, insecure, angry, often preoccupied with the relationship. And then we have disorganized attachment, which is a mix between avoided and ambivalent, leaving the child completely passive and non-responsive. Ultimately, we tend to carry these attachment styles into our adult relationships, and that's what we're going to dive into today. I have to say, you know, marriage and family therapy life, attachment styles are my favorite. I feel like they explain so much. They do. They're like, I feel like they're like a beacon for me, but I also feel like they're like the vein of a lot of stuff. And I'd be like, mm. mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. Listen, um, I just um, assigned a client to read a book on attachment. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who, what book it is because they're not paying me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> this is not a sponsorship. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. It's, it's called Attached. Um, mm-hmm. And it's by Amir Levine and Rachel Heller. Um, just in case someone wants to look it up, um, but it's a really good book. I read it myself, and it just really dives deeper into attachment and and what that looks like in our adult life and adult relationships. Um, pretty much what Rodney said. This is interesting because I was too going to share a book today, so that, not me. We're child, on the same this, wavelength. Listen, twins, damn twins. <laughs> twins. We just happen to have two different uh, t- uh, two different sets of parents. <laughs> no, literally. Um, okay, so I actually use this book with my couples, um, depending on what they need. But I like to do emotional focused uh, therapy mm-hmm. based in couples. Okay, mm-hmm. so and there's not a lot of research on on that in particular, and this is it's the whole thing. But anyway, so the workbook is called Couples Therapy Workbook for Healing. Um, Emotionally Focused Therapy, Techniques to Restore Your Relationships by Lori Clough Shade. Um, And in this workbook, she actually writes through what the attachment styles are and everything and help you do some like little quizzes to determine which one you have. And it teaches Mm -hmm. you about your partner as well, because then you learn what are their attachment styles and where is that rooted from and all of this stuff. It's really good. It's a very intensive book, though. 
So I wouldn't really suggest doing it alone unless you and your partner feel like you have the tools to do it alone. Um, she mm-hmm. goes in depth about a lot of things, but yeah. Okay. Yes, for the resources. There's that. All right. <laughs> so um, what would you say your attachment style was during your childhood, Demetric, and has it changed as an adult? If so, what is it now? Okay, first of all, y'all are being a little too nosy. Y'all want to know too much about my childhood, okay? There's that. Um, <laughs> this is what we get <laughs> for, like, talking about being raw and real, right? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. All in my business. <laughs> oh, um, but no, all jokes aside. So, let's see. Um, in childhood, I was avoidant. Avoidant in a sense of the emotional distance. Um because I didn't know how to effectively express myself because mm-hmm. it wasn't taught. It wasn't learned. It wasn't a learned behavior. So, you know, when I was younger, I would cry a lot, but then I was told that, you know, you're a boy, suck it up, you know, don't be a water bag, don't be a crybaby. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that part, like, you know, that part of the faucet was locked, you know what I'm saying? So that went away. So at that point, it's really just going through childhood just existing in the whole sense of that word just existing and doing the best that I could um a little ambivalence um and some anxiety uh and definitely some insecurities um ultimately it was it's 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 hard to explain but basically you don't necessarily know what you're not getting because you're not getting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like as you get mm-hmm. older, then you start to understand and you, you know, become more emotionally aware of what you didn't get and how that contributes to, you know, who you are today and moving forward until mm-hmm. you do what you need to do to heal and make those changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So what about you? Well, what's your attachment style now? Oh, okay. Um <laughs> I am more um, secure. I won't mm. say I, I'm a hundred percent secure, <laughs> but <laughs> it's the bigger percentage. I, I still feel like there is um, at the forefront that secure being more comfortable with intimacy and autonomy, but there's mm-hmm. still some ambivalence going on. And basically, what that looks like for me in my relationships, whether it's friendships or you know romantic relationships, is I come overly preoccupied with that relationship mm-hmm. like you know yep. um it's almost like you know how they say the honeymoon phase um you spend all that time together and then reality sets in but mm-hmm. for me it feels like just to kind of let you guys know my experience what ambivalence looks like to me in that respect is that my honeymoon phase never goes away mm-hmm. so basically i'm just locked and loaded all in and not that I neglect the things around me, but they're not as prominent in my vision as they were before I got in a relationship. And now that I've gained that awareness, I know to always be looking for that, to understand mm-hmm. the importance of being spending time with myself and, and engaging in self-love and self-care to make sure that I am still whole while merging my life with someone else's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you? Ooh, thanks for sharing. Um, uh, my attachment style during childhood, I, I would say it was ambivalent. Um, I, and it showed up with this like cutoff, right? Like really mm-hmm. asking people to be in my space and then 
when they weren't because I was so preoccupied with the relationships and I would just leave because I was too anxious that they would eventually leave me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, and it, and it wasn't disorganized only because of the fact that there was a lot of insecurity, a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, I would say in the preoccupation with relationships. Um, Now, well, it definitely has changed as an adult. Now I'm more of an, in a secure attachment space um, as I'm now able to respect boundaries of other people and respect my own boundaries. Amen. Like that's what this is all about is the lack of boundaries. Hello. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I think sometimes I fall into the avoidance space um, as an adult, even in my secure attachment, because I know what it feels like to have been hurt or frustrated, or I know where my emotions can get. And so to stop that from happening, I avoid by putting up walls and people are like, Mm -hmm. well, you're distant, you are detached. And I'm like, yeah, I know on purpose. (laughs) And (laughs) I'm laughing, but like, you know, that's not always a good thing, right? It makes people feel Mm -hmm. like they're unimportant to me. It makes them feel like I don't care, even though I Mm -hmm. really care, which is why Mm -hmm. I'm trying to pull back because I don't want to scare them away. Yeah. So that's definitely a thing. Okay. <sighs> so. Yeah, y'all nosy. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, but um, so question. Mm-hmm. In, an, in your relationships as an adult, have you ever had someone leave you? And if so, what was that first experience like? Um, Yes. Yes. Uh, this is like not a process that I need to like think about. Yes, I have had someone leave me. First experience, um, this is in an adult relationship, somebody leaving me. Yes. Um, I would say I would say that as an adult, the first time someone really like left me, it was an ex, obviously, an ex of mine, when I had first gone into college and I don't think I've recognized it as him leaving me at first. I thought it, I felt like it was mutual kind of thing, but um, no, I, I don't really think it was. Cause I think on my end, I would have been a lot more willing to try to work on things or whatever that looked like. Um, but he was already checking out kind of thing. And granted, mm-hmm. I think I was also already checking out too, but I think he was the one with the like gumption to actually be like, okay, clearly this is like ending, ending kind mm-hmm. of situation. Um, and it was really hard, but also if I'm being honest, it was like a relief at the same time because mm-hmm. I already knew it was ending. I was just holding on to something out of fear that nothing will be better for me. I'm not worth something more, all of those things. And that wasn't mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that first experience Honestly, I think it was a positive one. Me and that person, like, were cordial. He was never mean to me about us ending mm-hmm. things or anything like that, which I really appreciate. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like also kudos to me for choosing that person because, mm-hmm. honey. <laughs> but <laughs> there's so many other people I could have chosen that just. But, you know, ultimately, I don't feel like it was a horrible experience. I know it sucked, right? It was definitely heartbreaking. I was sad. I was, you know, pretty much ass out, you know, like I was just like, Mm -hmm. I was going through it kind of situation, but I can appreciate the experience because of 
how respectful he was, how nice he was about it, and how cordial we were about it with each other. And mm. uh, it just sucked, though, because I had all the thoughts of just, I'm not enough. Good side of this, as I said, the relief was because of the, I already knew it was over. Good side mm. of this was, I was also in college, so child, I had to get a letter, <laughs> honey. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. so there's that. <laughs> So what about okay. you? Okay. Ooh, child. Um, mm-hmm. Some of it kind of mirrors yours a little bit um, as far as knowing that um, it wasn't working, but still staying in the relationship out of the fear of being alone or the fear of, you know, my mm-hmm. partner walking out. Um so, you know, at first, I, you know, I would say, oh, you know, it was mutual because we had a conversation about it mutually, but technically it <laughs> yeah. was my partner that initiated it. So really like, bitch, you left me, um, you broke up with me. But at the time, I guess I couldn't handle that. So I said that, you know, it was mutual, but it really wasn't. But my experience after was horrible horrible and when i say horrible from an emotional perspective like i went through it emotionally all of those things that pop up um i'm not i wasn't good enough what could i have done differently you know beating myself up like okay you could have did this more mind you i'm doing way too much shit to begin with anyway but Mm -hmm. i felt like i could do more i should have did this my partner would have stayed. I should have did that. My partner would have stayed my partner would have appreciated this more you know maybe i'm not good enough all of these things it was it was quite a time. Um, mm-hmm. Even called myself trying to be friends um, because my partner, yeah. like the, the, my ex, is not a bad person at all. We're just incom- we were just incompatible. That was the reality of it. Nothing was wrong with him per se. Nothing was wrong with me per se. We just weren't compatible. Mm-hmm. But it still hurt. And you know, I t- tried to be friends, and you know, <laughs> that's that codependency shit. Um, yeah. So I'm no, like, literally. okay. Then I sat there and I'm like, you know what? I'm like, Demetric, you can't do this. You know you can't do this. One, you've never done this. So why mm-hmm. are you why are you putting yourself through this? So I, I end up creating a boundary and I actually advocated for myself to say, you know what? Right now, I'm just not in the space to where I can be your friend because I still have feelings for you. Mind you, we had only broke up like a week or two ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then I eventually um, figured out <laughs> that um, it was the codependency and I was doing the most. And ultimately, mm. all of the things that led to the, the breakdown in the relationship, all of those red flags, I saw them, but I kept driving. Mm-hmm. When I should have parked my damn car or turned off on the next street. Mm-hmm. But I want to keep going on to see where this path going to lead me, ultimately in the back of my head, knowing that it's not going to lead where I want it to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was my that. first experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Because I think like first experience of like somebody leaving you, that shit is hard. It's hard. Other side of it too, I'm, I think I'm, I'm kind of glad that we both had the experience that it felt mutual or it was not disrespectful, you know, kind of, mm-hmm. it wasn't this huge blowout situation, mm-hmm. but right. I think honestly, looking back on that situation now, like sitting here and, and hearing what you have to say, processing what I just said, um, yes, like we knew the relationship was over. We were holding on due to fear, you know, we won't find anyone else. But then the other side of it is like, what else? 
what else kept kept us there? You know, right. like what is it that told us that oh, if we just stick this out a little bit longer, mm-hmm. it it'll work kind of situation. Right. What do you think that was? Hmm. Like that really was just kind of like, well, if you stay, <laughs> you know. I mean, it goes back to that the the core fear of abandonment, which is the fear of being alone. Yeah, that's true. I was scared of being alone. You know what I'm saying? But then the the what I've learned, and this is um, you know, through therapy and you know, education and and more life experience, is that it's really not the fear of being alone, at least from my perspective, it's the fear of being lonely. Because the reality of it is that, okay, I might be living in this apartment by myself or alone in the definition of the word, but technically in life, I'm not alone. I have family. I have friends who loved and cared for me, who lift me up during that time, who supported me during that time, who you know gave me that shoulder to cry on, who gave me the hug or rub my back when I needed it. So I mm-hmm. think you know what helped me is really understanding you know the difference between feeling alone. I'm sorry, being alone and feeling lonely. And I think for me it was a lot of feeling lonely. Granted, the person wasn't there physically, so I was technically alone in the apartment by myself. However, mm-hmm. it was really the loneliness that, that really, the feeling is that, yeah, the feeling of loneliness that really exacerbated those feelings. Um, but you know, ultimately it's, it's always fear. It's, it's rooted in fear. Hmm. Okay. I mean, for me, I think I was just scared of both. I know I was scared of both. I was scared of being mm-hmm. alone and lonely. And mm-hmm. I knew I had people, but you got to remember I had this ambivalence, right? Right. So mm-hmm. I was so preoccupied that with the relationship itself, not that I wasn't giving effort to my friendships because I was, and those friendships are still here and thriving. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. just that I think I've always wanted a romantic partner that was just going to be consistent. Right. And I don't ever remember a time of not wanting that. Mm-hmm. And I think like when I saw that like slipping away, I was like, no, no, no. Like, you, you know, like we just got to fight for everything mm-hmm. or whatever and all that stuff, not right. realizing it's done, girls over. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's both because I think that, yes, that feeling of loneliness, but also legit being alone. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's that was a legitimate fear of mine. I mean, even though even during that time, I loved my alone time, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Love it now, mm-hmm. too. but. I don't know why. Well, I do know why. It's just at this point, I recognize where that transition is, but you're definitely right. This is always backed by the fear. My fear was the loneliness and physically being alone. Yeah. And, you know, I can, I, I can relate to that completely. Um, I think for me, um, outside of the fear, you know, which was also one of the red flags and also something that I use now to determine, you know, um, if something's going to work for me. And that's if I'm able to fully unapologetically be who I am 100%. And when I say be who I am 100%, like there's no pieces of me that I feel I need to guard from. And the reality of that first situation is that I was completely guarded. And mm. I was focused on doing all of the things that I thought I was supposed to do to, to keep, keep a partner. Yeah. When in reality, 
they didn't even want 95% of what I was doing. Yeah. You know yeah, no, that wasn't that wasn't coming up for me. I definitely was open, like not guarded. I can't use that as a signal. I see how it's helpful though, though. I see how it's a very good warning sign for you with regard to like codependency and my giving everything to them, but putting the guard up. That makes perfect exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 For me. Yeah. Like specific for me, like I know that that's a, a warning sign for me that I could be slipping into that, you know, those old attachment, um, negative attachment patterns or, you know, that codependency, because it's not that I was a hundred percent guarded. Like I still let him in, but there mm-hmm. was parts of myself that I would not allow him to, to penetrate. See. I would not allow mm-hmm. him to see or do it. And I was like, okay, Demetri, if you know that you want a partner who you could be completely vulnerable with, lay it all on the table and not feel like you have to present a certain way and just be, then that's not the partner for you. But it took mm-hmm. that situation and another situation after that for me to truly understand what that meant for me and understanding that after a certain period of time, if I'm not actively doing what I need to do to remove these guards or these barriers to let you into this space, mm-hmm. I need to look at, okay, is it me or are you, I don't trust you because we're not compatible. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. that's my little piece, my child. Warning, it, was, it was a trip. <laughs> my, I, <laughs> I think my warning sign is when I have no interest in learning from you anymore. Mm. I know like, I know mm, who I am. One. I I'm an intellectual, right? Like I enjoy Mm -hmm. having deep conversations that explore people's minds. And so when I jump into relationships, I'm open. I'm I'm an open book. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think that I will, I explore people in the sense of, I don't give them everything about me, but that's not a guard. That is Mm -hmm. me gradually getting into a safe space with you and deciding what I want to share when I want to share it. Um, and just respecting yeah, that different. boundary of mine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then when it gets to a point in the relationship where I'm no longer really giving a shit about what you have to offer mm-hmm. or the the give and take of the relationship mm-hmm. and it's no longer balanced, I don't um I know that's it. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. Okay. Next yeah. question for you, friend. <laughs> what has abandonment looked like overall for you as an adult within intimate relationships? Mm, that's a big question. Hmm. I guess as an adult, abandonment looks like emotional absence, mm-hmm. distance, or neglect. As I've gotten older, you know, and gotten more busier doing the things that I want to do for me um, and my career and stuff like that, I realized that, you know, I'm not always going to be able to see you or spend time with you in the physical form. You know, a lot of things that have happened lately, like more consistently is more, you know, virtual communications, FaceTimes and phone calls and text messages, because just like I'm busy, the people in my life are busy. Um, But it's the emotional connection, the emotional support that rings true for me. The, you know, that whole quality over quantity thing. So yeah. I 
don't necessarily feel abandoned if I don't get to see or touch someone that I care about. Um, it's more so that emotional part, that supportive part. Like, are you there when I'm going through it and I need something? Are you there to support me through both the good times and accomplishments as well as the transitions and the adversities in my life? And when that happens or the lack thereof, that's when I actually feel abandoned as an adult. Yeah. I don't think my... I don't think my answer is much different from yours, to be honest with you. So I'm going to say, you know, ditto to everything that you just said. And also, I think the only thing I'll add is when I have relationships with people and they just uh, start shutting shit down. So I honestly, I feel like this is God's way of repairing me so I understand how I hurt people in the past when people do this mm. I, and I can't even lie to y'all about that. Like, I genuinely feel that when whenever it happens to me, I'm like, okay, God, like, I get it. Like, when is this lesson going to be over, sis? Like, <laughs> come on. But, <laughs> but like, I, so like, whenever I get feedback from somebody that's like, well, I'm just not coming, or, well, you just don't have to do this, or, well, let's just get this, let's just cut this off. And I'm just like, oh, so you're just going to leave me? <laughs> so what? Like, <laughs> like that's how I be feeling like, deep down, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Because I'm like, I'm here, like I'm trying, I'm here, but also I need to pay attention mm -hmm. to the fact, like, especially my adult relationships, they don't know the old me. And it's not fair for me to be like, you know, like you doing this to me now and I'm hearing in your face. Do you know in the past, like I would have left your ass <laughs> in the dust? Like, come on. Bobby. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, so I'm saying that because I think that is what abandonment looks like for me now. I, honestly, it just, mm. I feel like it's a reflection of this is how you've hurt people in the past, Friday. And now you mm. have to understand that, you know, people are going through their healing process and they're going to say these things, they're going to do these things. And mm. you didn't like, you don't like how it felt, you know, mm. kind of thing. So, Karma, y'all, coming back full circle. Same way we get good karma, bad karma be coming back. <laughs> Listen, mm -hmm. that's why I try to I try to uh, stay in my damn lane and mind the business that pay me because I ain't got right? time. Listen, right. life is already uh, tough enough. I don't need to be adding oh no God. more troubles to my no trouble more. plate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. To the and trouble to days say, that the Lord has already told us we gonna have. I don't. Need we to gonna do that. have facts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, and all of that, not to say. I mean, just to say that. I know the people around me love me or whatever, right? We say things that are hurt, things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think for in my adult relationships right now, that's what abandonment looks like is people saying yeah. things that they mean. Sometimes they don't. And mm -hmm. it looks like them wanting to set a boundary because maybe I'm pushing too hard or maybe mm -hmm. they just are not safe in the relationship, whatever that looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think it sheds light for me on what I did to people in the past. And, and it doesn't make me like pity myself or anything like that. I think mm -hmm. it's just a lesson, you know, like mm -hmm. I'm an empath. I get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, one of the other messages that we we always talk about, the word that popped up as you were speaking just now, Rade, was the word mm -hmm. grace. Oh, yeah, of course. Grace. <laughs> like course. ultimately just extending grace. Like, you know, like you say, Lord, I see it. I, I get mm -hmm. it. I get it. And extending that grace to other people because they're human just like we are. And, you know, exactly. everyone's in, in different growth spaces, you know, throughout life. And we're always constantly growing and evolving. So just extending grace. Like, I feel like, you know, intending grace, I feel like that's at the forefront of, of, of my life right now. What is the, my oh intent my in doing 
anything that I'm doing, saying anything that I'm doing, behaving any way that I'm doing, mm-hmm. and then also extending grace to myself because the Lord is still working on me. Facts. But also extending grace to other people to know that God is still working on them They're too. They're working on you them too. <laughs> right. You ain't the only one being worked uh-huh. on. Right. <laughs> you, are no, not the only, you is not the only child. You are okay? not the only child, okay? Uh, hello. Oh, God. <laughs> this, is not, this is not only about you, honey. Okay. Exactly. exactly. All right, y'all. So now to our therapist heads off Q&A section. So, Demetri, do you have the first question? Sure. My girlfriend of three years broke up with me a month ago, and I can't see my life without her. What am I supposed to do? Let her go. Sorry, but let her go. I mean, respect people's boundary. I feel like at this point in my life, I, I just want to say to you, listener, that asked this question is, if someone does not want to be there, they don't have to be. Let and it's up to us to respect that. Mm-hmm. And if it's meant to come back, it comes back. We cannot mm-hmm. force anyone to be a part of our life, to be a part of our space. And mm-hmm. I know this shit hurts, right? Yeah. So what you're supposed to do is lean on your people. Hello. Remind yourself of your support. You Like Demetri talked about earlier, you are not alone, right? This may feel lonely mm-hmm. because of the emotions you're facing and the abandonment mm-hmm. from the relationship, but I'm sure you have people. If you do, I'm hoping that you do. Um, use this as time for yourself. I always try to ask people, what did you learn from this relationship? What did this relationship teach you? Right. And maybe this wasn't the person for you. Maybe the next person, I'm a hopeless romantic y'all. So don't judge me. So the next person, like, how can you be better? Me right, too, because like, I'm I'm really here waiting for somebody <laughs> to come sweep me off my feet and uh, walk me down a, a path of rose petals. But that's neither no, here nor there. Go ahead. No, but no. Go ahead, seriously. friend. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen. Ben, Ben has been y'all. I gotta, I gotta, you know, um, what what's the word? I have to uh, boast on my partner a little bit for a minute. Okay. Hashtag. <laughs> Wait, you went out. What did you say? I said hashtag Team Ben. Oh, <laughs> look, y'all! I gotta, I gotta boast on my on my partner for a minute. So, like, at least for the last couple of weeks, he's been sending me like a little text that say, "Okay, be ready at this time," or when I get home, just come downstairs or whatever. Because he's been, you know, planning little things, y'all. Like, I love it. Okay. Hopeless romantic. I don't got to initiate anything. He got it all planned out. All I got to yes, do is be ben. ready, honey, okay? Not get dressed, be ready by 2.30. Okay, cool. Yes, <laughs> man, come through with the planning, then. <laughs> right. Show me that you know we, we got stuff to do, honey. Okay, Hello. anyway. Not the point. Yes. But needless to say, I, yes, I am a hopeless romantic. And I'm saying this because whatever you got from this relationship Learn from it, use it as a lesson, and take it into the next relationships to continue to grow and be your best self. And Mm -hmm. that's what I think that you do in this situation. Maybe you guys were just incompatible at this time. And like I said, I know that it must hurt. But give yourself the time to heal from this, to process what's going on, to understand, you know, where you are, then how this relationship is over. I'm not telling you to jump into something new immediately, but also lean on your people because. They are going to be there for you if you have those mm-hmm. people. I'm hoping that you do. Mm-hmm. So everything Rade said, every single thing Rade said, um, I'm going to start off with, you know, what we, you know, discussed earlier, acknowledge, process, heal. One more time, 
acknowledge, process, heal, and then forgive each other. Forgive each other for what didn't occur in the relationship or what occurred in the relationship so that you can be whole again before you move on with your life and to your next relationship. Um, I also recommend, you know, latching on to what some of the things Rod, they said is go on a self-love journey. In addition to relying on your support system, leaning on them, go on a journey of self-love and self-care for yourself. Find things that you enjoy, you know, figure out, you know, are there some things that you put down when you got into the relationship because you were more focused on being together? Pick them back up, find new hobbies, get out of the house, focus on your world around you, not the fact that a piece of it has been removed. Now, uh, take it a step further, kind of like what Rade said, if a piece has been removed, that means it's not supposed to be. That means there's Mm -hmm. another piece out there waiting for you that's going to fill that spot. But the whole point of the matter is in any type of relationship, friendship, romance, you have to be whole before you try to merge your life with someone else. You know what? You're right. I think one thing that I do want to add to this is with if you're anything like me and Demetric, you lost yourself in that relationship, child. Okay? Uh, you listen. was gone. Uh-huh. You were gone. You and that person mm-hmm. became one instead of two individuals. Okay? Mm-hmm. And this is the time where you reinvent and redefine who you are and Amen. appreciate that um, without that person being mm-hmm. attached to you. Mm-hmm. Um. And I like to say this in the way of, so for instance, with myself, you know, I am Rade first, right? Who is Rade at her core? Not who is Rade with her sister? Who is Rade with her mom? Who is Rade with her dad? Or who is Rade with her partner or mm-hmm. her brother, right? Like, it, it. who am I first? And getting back to that rather than, you know, falling into another relationship or solely looking at, oh, I'm nothing without this person. Mm-hmm. Because you are, you are so much with or without them. Amen, friend. Amen. Okay. Next question, listeners, is I noticed that when it comes to commitment, I get scared and leave people that I really want to be around. What will it take for me to start staying in these commitments? Oh, this question is giving me very much. She's a runner, she's a track star, but um <laughs> But, oh but, my god that's gonna be the but, title of this episode listen but <laughs> okay i'll just aside, listener um why why are you running like i feel like you know going back to acknowledge process you know what is going on for you that you get scared and run because there's a, a deep-rooted reason why you're doing that. And until you figure out what that reason is, you're going to continue to lace up your tennis shoes and haul ass. So it definitely, we need some self-reflection, some meditation on what's the reason that you're getting scared. Where's the, what is the actual fear? And why are you walking away? Do, you know, I'm just throwing this out there, but if I want to be around someone, but I do everything to push them away, what am I really searching for? What am I really doing? Mm-hmm. What's really important for me? You know what I'm saying? What's coming up for me that I'm pushing people away from me that I actually want to be around? And most likely, 
it's from another situation, whether that be a childhood situation or an adult situation. There's something that you've experienced that has gave birth to this fear. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, it kind of is giving me the vibes of I'm going to leave before you leave me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So fulfilling prophecy, ahead, we're back there. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. back there. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm thinking about um, this exercise that we actually did in our grad program. I don't know if you remember it, but the, the why question in the biggest fear. Remember where we had to like say, they're like, what is your biggest fear? We say it and they're like, okay, but why? And we eventually mm-hmm. got down to like the deep rooted biggest fear, which is like, I'm scared to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm scared that I won't be loved or, you know, all other things. Mm-hmm. Or I'm and not worthy. Or I'm not worthy, right? All the things. And so get down to the root. Keep asking yourself, what has gotten me to this place where I'm running mm-hmm. from this commitment? Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know, Demetrius said it pretty therapeutically. I'm not, honey. Just stop it. Because you're, <laughs> like, you're just like, you're not going to have any relationships left. Take right. it from somebody that knows. Take it from somebody that I'm, I've literally told y'all, like, I used to just be cut off queen, honey. No, I'm done. Done. Um, like the way take off them tennis shoes and put on some bedroom slippers. <laughs> no, seriously. But like for real, like just vibe with it for a minute, you know? Right. Because truth of the matter is, is that you're going to start losing the people that really need to be in your life that are going to help you become the person that you really want to be. And when I say help you, sometimes their presence is just enough. I don't mean that they're mm-hmm. going to give you the answers to anything, any anything like that. But just sometimes their presence is enough because we learn from other people's experiences. And being around it can be helpful. And so I want to say this. I want to give this suggestion. If you have people in your life that um, you actually feel committed to the relationship, just even if it's a friendship or a family member, look at what has kept you committed. Was it just the title of that friendship that kept you committed? Or is it that person and what you guys have, that bond you all have in the relationship? Mm -hmm. As well as, you know, in the future relationships or just future commitments looking to what tends to scare you is it because things start to get really serious and then you book because if Mm -hmm. that's the case this is you with your commitment issues and you need to work through that go to therapy because it can help hello hello you know and i just one last little little nugget so you know whatever you you all believe in whether that's a higher power, God, the universe, whatever the case may be. How can you, let's look at it this way for a little, for a second. How can you do what you're doing to manifest or pray or meditate on what you want and need in life, but then have the audacity to push it away, walk away, or leave it? But you see, you know what I mean, Jake? I think that's the thing, though, is that I think what we what we call out for is what we're getting back. I think if this person is constantly running from the relationships, they're going to get what they're what they're pretty much calling out for, if that makes sense. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like our actions, the things that we say, the things that we're doing, that literally becomes a formula of that manifestation of that prayer is what we talked about previous episodes before. You know, if you're going to pray for something, you got to go out and get it right. Hello. But the thing of the mm-hmm. the thing is, is that if your behaviors, if you're doing something in opposition of that, just like you're saying, like it just, it's not going to manifest the way you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's going to be the I put, exact well, You know, opposite. I believe, 
I believe in God. So I know sometimes God be looking at it like, now, now this fool done asked for this and he, now he won't accept it. Mm-hmm. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, fam. We I'm going to go ahead and move on to our earth lesson for the week. So although our past has a tendency to impact our future, don't let what you didn't get or what you didn't have growing up control your future. Use your past as a guideline for what you want for your future and what you don't want for that matter. You are the captain of your ship and you determine the destination. Respectfully, a melanated therapist. All right, fam. Remember to follow us on Instagram at respectfullymt and send your questions and topic requests to respectfullymt at gmail.com. Until next time, fam. Peace, y'all. Respectfully. 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 A melanated therapist.